right. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is KBLA Talk 1580. I'm your host, Angelique Francis, and this is Living in the Sweet Spot. Yes, we define the sweet spot as the intersection between power, divine timing, and performance, all to accomplish a purpose. We discuss how life and circumstances, situations, and sometimes God, the universe, uh, of course, spirit, seems to conspire to work together always to move you closer to your purpose. I have had the most incredible interviews right here on The Sweet Spot with amazing overcomers, athletes, activists, scientists, award-winning artists, educators, authors, agents for change, and just just average everyday people, really, that want to come on and talk about sharing these unimaginable, unexplainable, life-altering, miraculous moments. And we talk about it because I find that it instills hope and courage and gratitude in the listeners. And I think that um, that's worthy and that's a good reason to keep telling you these stories right here in the sweet spot. Well, today's guest, I'm really excited to have her because um, we're going to talk about these intersections of not just um, faith and art. We're going to talk about just where we are today and how these these uh, steps in her life have been strategically ordered for purpose. Her name is Baja Lynn, and her name is derived from the African Baja Oba, which means at one with God, who is king, to whom she gives thanks daily. Baja Lynn Odoms currently appears as the mesmerizing and powerful Marva on Tyler Perry's hit cult show, Ruthless, on BET+. However, her humble roots in Chicago's Cook County are where her dreams of acting began to take shape. She was often reminded that it was unrealistic for a young black girl to even think of being an actor. But undeterred, she continued to watch this amazing stories of this tiny black and white TV screen that, yes, in fact, transported her to many other places. And against all odds, she knew that somehow she must find a way to be in those stories. And so the unexpected request from her Californian aunt made that move to Los Angeles, and it brought her passions for acting into a sharp focus, and she found herself in a city, this city, the city of angels, to make her dreams a reality. Bajalyn Odoms worked very hard throughout many years to learn the art of acting and to hone her skills. Her faith in God, coupled with unyielding determination, fueled by perseverance, landed her numerous appearances on stage, in film, and on television. And in addition, her distinct voice has given her voiceover opportunities and her comedic abilities have been featured in multiple commercials. She's overjoyed to continue her journey at Tyler Perry Studios in Tyler Perry's Ruthless and continues to proclaim, to God be the glory, Baja Oba, at one with God who is king, is right here, right here with me in the sweet spot. What's happening, my sister, my girl? Lord, have mercy. Am I happy to see you, to have you? I have missed you. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. And I have missed you also. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I would like to say that we grew up together, but I ain't owning that. (laughs) 
I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I was just a little, little girl back in the day when you were, I was, did you, you know, I'm not even going there, girl. We started our careers together way back when, and look at you. You have continued to grace the stage, the screen. You were amazing on stage back in the day, and you continue to do it now, and you are just, you're just breathtaking. I love it. I can't help myself. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's, it comes from loving what you do. You can't put a price on it. You, you can't uh, hide it. You can't run from it. It's what we love to do. We, you know, when we, and we come up in an industry where there's basically no technology like they have today. Right. right. So we had to work hard. We couldn't just get on the phone and, and do things by Zoom or whatever. We had to be there in person. And that was the beauty of this business at that time. And I just really appreciate where we are now in our life that God has allowed us to keep growing, uh, even though I'm a little bit older, but um, that's not the point. <laughs> wait, wait, you remember my mother used to come and watch us on the stage and she would say, she would say, that young baby shouldn't be playing those old lady parts. <laughs> and you, well, you still playing those old lady parts, which is so funny because you were not old enough to play those old lady parts, but now you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You but then too, it was just so much going on in my life at the time when I was that young that there was a lot of experiences that I was bringing into the characters that now have seasoned, now that I'm seasoned at a point where I can use those characters, you know, yes. and Marva is one of them, you know, uh, there's, uh, I've seen a lot of Marva when I was growing up and, and people think she's so evil and which she really is but in a nice way, you know, so <laughs> well, a lot of that I have incorporated in, into Mava, you know, as a character. Well, that's kind of what we were taught back in the day, right? When, when we were uh, learning how to create characters that you wanted to make sure that you created characters that even if they had some, uh, let's say evil in them, that it was coming from a good place. <laughs> exactly. 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 It's so funny though. When I first start the first season that I did her, Nobody liked this woman. This is nobody's that evil. That woman's just evil. And 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 it and at first it bothered me, but then I had to realize that's not me. That's the character. Right. And so it took me a while to get over that. My daughter would say, Mom, you need to stay off social media because you're just wearing yourself out. And I'm because that's not me. I'm not like that. But then I have to realize that if I don't believe it, the people are not going to believe it. So I just uh, now I take it with a grain of salt. It's what I do is what I like to do. And. And that's and that's I don't, that's the beauty of being allowed to create. A lot of times you don't get a chance, even in this business, you got people telling you to move here and move there, move there. But when you're allowed to create, it, it's, it's a different feeling and you bring a lot to whatever it is you're doing. That's why I love this business so much. I know people say, why don't you direct? I said, tried it, didn't like it. Why don't you produce? Tried it, didn't like it. I just want to act. Right. I just want to embody the fullness of acting until the day my family walks behind my casket. That's all I want to do. And then you'll be <laughs> acting like you did. You're going to be acting like you did. <laughs> no, you were just one of these people that no matter what, you just light up a room, you light up a stage. I have never mm -hmm. seen... Uh, and this is something now I have seen and watched your career for 40 years. 
You mm-hmm. have, there has never been, I don't care if it's a commercial, I don't care if it's a play, a monologue, I don't care what you do. And I, I am an authority because <laughs> I cast, I produce, I direct. I have never seen anyone who has been consistent and such um, has such stage presence as you do. So I'm honored to have you today. We're going to talk a little bit about what motivates you, what you bring to the table and how you do it and what keeps you motivated. And really some of the people that have influenced you along the way. I know some of them and um, I'm going to learn about others. Uh, I'm excited just to have this conversation and we're going to keep it going right here all in the sweet spot when we come forward. All right, if you're just joining me, I have Baja Lynn, who is an amazing actor, and uh, she's sharing her journey with us right here in the sweet spot. I'm excited to have her. And so, Baja, um, you know, we're talking about just some of those early influences and um, why you wanted to become an actor. And, you know, you're from Chicago originally, and you ended up uh, finding your way here in your bio. It talks about you had an aunt that was here. Uh, what was it? Was there some early um, influence that made you want to become an actor? Did, was there someone that, something that you saw? Uh, basically, I was just um, a television junkie back in Chicago because uh, we really didn't have TV. Uh, my uncle, it's so funny though, my uncle <laughs> bought us a TV because at that time in Chicago, we were on welfare and and in welfare in Chicago, you're not supposed to have nothing that they consider luxury. And so it's funny, though, when he bought the TV, my mom had to justify why we had a TV. And she had to tell him that, you know, my uncle bought it. But then it was fast. It wasn't like maybe two or three channels at that time. But there were old black and white movies. And I would see, I would sit there and I would envision me being on the screen. And I always wanted to be an actor. I always wanted to be a leading lady where the man just takes you up in his arms and just whisk you away and, and he fights for you. And that was exciting to me as a young girl. And living where we, now they call them projects, but we call them tenements. They were brick buildings from maybe six stories where you had an elevator that never hardly worked and then you huff and puff to get to the third floor where I lived. But it was a form of entertainment when I came home from school and that's the first thing I did. I would turn on the TV and watch and watch what the other actors did. And it was just so amazing to me that that to me was our technology, TV, uh, that nobody else had. The neighbors would come and watch our TV because we were the only ones that had one in the building. But um, yeah, basically it was the old black and white movies, the old romantic ones. I just fell in love with them. And I said, one day I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that. Didn't know how, because it had been, you know, born and raised in Chicago. I didn't, and, I really didn't right. know how I was going to do that. And it but wasn't a lot that of people. That day came when I had the opportunity. Right, it wasn't a lot of people looking like you doing it either. And there was no people do it unless they were <laughs> shuffling and and yells that type of thing. But other than that, no, there wasn't. There wasn't, especially leading. Even character actors were limited. You see the same ones over and over and over again, you know. But that's what I wanted to do. And then I was blessed to come to California because of my aunt. But it didn't start out in film. It started out in theater, on stage, where I got a lot of my training from Inner City Cultural Center. Yes. yes. Where 
where they groomed you. You had to learn to dance. You had voice. We had, what else did we have? Oh, we had so much stuff that we had to learn and you had to learn it. It wasn't like, you know, you come in and, uh, and just sit. You had to participate, and that's what I loved about it. I learned so much from that from Inner City Cultural Center. All and the the, uh, the instructors that came. Absolutely, through. I mean, I think yeah. that I don't remember if we met there or Communication Bridge first uh, at USC. I can't remember where we first met because I feel like you've always been in my life. I'm not really sure where where the beginning yeah. was exactly, but. We were trained, like you said, we had commercial workshops, we had movement workshops, we had dance, we had theater. It was all encompassing. We had a lot of scene work. And in that scene work, you know, I still, I still buy, when someone tells me that they want to act to this day, yes, I've taught workshops and stuff in, in New York, and I'm still a performance coach, but when someone tells me they want to act, do you know I still buy them Respect for Acting by Uta Hagen? Do you know I still buy them that book? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I'm like, it's like, you might as well act like that's the Bible. I still buy it because it's a simple exactly. book. It's a simple book. And uh, it's like, if you can't get through that and work on that homework, you shouldn't even be on a stage anywhere. You shouldn't be in front of a camera. Exactly. You know? So, exactly. So, exactly. Uh, you know, you and I did some plays together. And when I think about some of the people, so Hal DeWint was our first instructor that we worked together, obviously. And Hal right, uh, right. DeWint, would be was such uh, a force of nature in this business in Los Angeles and in New York. And, um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm honored to have worked with him. He taught me so much. He taught you so much. But, you know, I always say that it was like a dysfunctional family. Like I was speaking with Oz Scott um, not long ago, and he talked about how Oz learned so much from him and he was in his workshops. And when I think about Ron O'Neill coming through then Billy D being coached by him and some of the contemporary and you know how Luther Vandross would come in there. I remember him going and coaching Denzel Washington and, uh, you know, come right. on, you know, give me a break. You know, when I think I know. about, I know. <laughs> when I think about how oh. iconic, um, of these people, you know, these people were, you know, the work that you did with Bea Richards and us being in her workshops mm-hmm. and just being um, right. trained and brought along. What is one of the happiest moments you think about being on stage? Just think about it. Let's go back for a minute. What is one of the scariest moments and what is one of the happiest moments that you remember um, on stage? Um, one of the happiest moments, I'll start with that first, is we did a play in Pasadena about the Tuskegee Airmen. Mm. We had to learn that play in literally less than a week. Oof. It was the most happy and gratifying, but it was also scary because there was a lot of dialogue to that script. It wasn't a two, it was a lot of dialogue and we had to put it together in that week to perform it for these men that were so brave, you know, to go through what they went through. And I was just so proud to be able to meet a few of them while they were still alive. Mm. That was the happiest part, but that, we threw their script together so fast. It was, I, I was like, I had nightmares. I had nightmares. But we did it. We pulled it off. When he got on stage and that light went up, it was like boo-boo <laughs> or, you know, 
get off the stage. <laughs> Got to do one or the other. <laughs> no, but girl, you talk about having nightmares. Can you, do you remember having, you know, before opening night, I used to have, I would dream the lines all night long, wake up the next morning exhausted because just I would be going through lines through in my sleep all night long. <laughs> <laughs> No rest for the weary. No rest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I would do the same thing. And when um, we would get scripts and we had to learn them and we, we learned them fast. We learned them really fast. Now, you know, and like now I can't even remember my name, but I remember a few times coming when we had uh, this workshop in Inglewood Playhouse. I would end up in uh, some other city. Because I was going over my line so hard and so long, I passed Inglewood, and I would end up in another city. I can't remember so well. And when I re realized that I've gone to another city, it was like my mind was just, I don't know if I want to do this. I can't, you know, but I'm still here. So evidently, I still wanted to do it. But that was so funny to me when I think about passing Inglewood, passing the Inglewood Playhouse, and, and I end up in another city, Hawthorne or somewhere I would end it up. <laughs> It was just so funny to me. Well, you brought this up. You brought this up. We were doing Raising in the Sun. You and I was playing uh, your daughter in Raising the Sun, and the scene where Benita gets slapped because she was disrespecting uh, the you know the word of God. She was being fast and sassy, and we had a stage slap. And you were supposed to slap my face because I say you know well if the salt loses its savor, and you know we had this whole stage slap choreographed and I'm sure whatever I did I was probably nervous and maybe turn right when I was supposed to turn left or left when I was supposed to turn right whatever I did I messed it up and you slapped the heck out of me on stage for real for real for real <laughs> and the look on your face after you slapped me and the look on my face right <laughs> and oh that scared me so <laughs> scared you you slapped the heck out of me I was like <laughs> we both were frozen on stage <laughs> remember that <laughs> wait you remember that <laughs> I know and after the show when I went home I go she's supposed to not lean in like that she was supposed to lean back why'd she do that why'd she do that I think I cried all the way home <laughs> oh my god well, I'll cry because it hurt. You, you slept the heck out of me. But I was like, that might have been the best acting I had done right? <laughs> all week. I was like, I was like, oh, that's how I was supposed to handle that scene. Okay, now I know that's some real sense memory. Now, now, I, now I know how to really handle that scene moving forward. No, I felt so bad because you felt so bad. I was like, I survived. Yeah. Trust me, I survived. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and 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 we re and we rehearsed it. We rehearsed it and we rehearsed it and we rehearsed it because it was healthy. Healthy was never hurt the actor. You're not that into what you're doing if you gotta hurt the actor. And speaking of hurting the actor, you remember that time Kudjo broke my pinky finger? Oh my <laughs> god. What what play was that? What's that was a view from the bridge. That was View from the Bridge. We were on stage, and he had a scene where he was... That was a view, view from the Bridge. Yeah, yeah. View from the Bridge. Yeah. And the actor accidentally squeezed your hand, and he literally broke your finger while on stage. And you acted, you stayed in your character through the end of the play. 
Exactly. It popped. Snap. <laughs> oh, my God. And you're laughing right now. Oh, my God. And let me see that finger. That finger's crooked to this day. Oh, my God. And keep going. And what about it? <laughs> to this day. <laughs> yeah. And now you don't have nothing to say? Uh, <laughs> it was just that um, Hal had always said never not to hurt the actor. You know, because he did a thing with, uh, he told us about uh, a play w- uh, with uh, Ronald Coleman where he was playing, um, oh God, I can't really think of the name of the play that he was doing. But he choked the actress and he almost killed her because he was so into his character. And that's some, Ronald, yeah, Ronald Coleman. And that's something Hal taught us. If you have to hurt the actor, then you don't need to be on stage because that's not what acting is about. And I remember that every time, because when I, I've done some shows where I had to slap somebody and, um, and it always, it, it would always bother me because it's like some of these actors, they, they don't pay attention. <laughs> if you don't pay attention, you can get hurt. And I don't want to be the one to cause that. <laughs> No, trust me. I did Othello once. It was at USC. I did Othello once. I, I remember, I'm not going to call out his name because he's a well-known actor to this day. And he, he got a little caught up on the choking scene and he was, his eyes were bulging. He was spitting and choking me. I was like, cut, cut. Oh, I was like, cut. <laughs> and I remember the director looked at me like, what are you doing? Nobody calls cut on my scene. I said, this yeah. crazy man is choking me. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to cut this all day long. Wait. So anyway, the bottom line is, actors, young actors, that is not necessary. <laughs> really what I want to talk about is training and really these amazing times that we have because we were trained, right? Now today you're working at Tyler Perry Studio and Listen, you have an amazing job, an amazing opportunity. I'm sure the people on your set look to you for so much guidance because you are this legacy actor. I used to hang out with Ruby D because she was my next door neighbor, like godmother to my kids. And I was so honored to have Ruby and Ozzy as my next door neighbors. But she used to talk about, I used to call her legacy all the time. And she talked about um, being you know, the importance of being a legacy artist, right? And I look at you today as a legacy artist. So being a legacy artist on that set is a responsibility. You're teaching the younger actors behind you those important, um, those important kind of rules, so to speak, of what's important and how to behave on those sets. Do you find that as a part of your job? Do you kind of feel responsible to do that? Yes or no? <laughs> I tell you what, you I, think about. Wait, wait, you think about it. We're gonna come forward. I, I don't. <laughs> when we come forward, we're gonna get back to this question. When we come forward, all right. Well, if you're just joining me, you know this is already living in the sweet spot, and I've got uh, the amazing, the incomparable Baja Lynn Odom's with me. We're talking about just you know why we do what we do creating art creating an impact everywhere we go and trying to do it in a creative way so i'm excited someone just popped in coming into the sweet spot that's a director writer producer uh leslie small what's happening leslie 
How y'all doing? What's going down? Everything's great. You know what I'm saying? It's sunshine in LA, so I'm feeling fantastic. And I love the fact that I'm on the phone with Baja. <laughs> hey, Les, how you doing? I am fantastic. I'm even the better for seeing your face. Absolutely. <laughs> Bless your heart. Well, this is this is awesome because you ain't no stranger to the sweet spot. You've been here before and uh, we just had to bring you in because the truth of the matter is we all got started together. And so, uh, you know, not only did we need you to kind of fill in some of the gaps of, uh, of our memory. <laughs> But I also uh, wanted uh, not only to honor Baja and her amazing work that she continues to do. You know, right now she's on Tyler Perry's uh, cult show Ruthless on BET Plus. But she she was just always such an iconic actor. And some of the people that we started with, uh, Leslie, do you do you remember us being in a small little playhouse directed by Hal DeWitt? We did um, Raisin in the Sun. And uh, <laughs> Baja played the mama. I played Benita. Who'd you play? Who'd you play, Leslie? I played the little, this little square kid coming in. You know what I'm saying? I was the guy. I I believe. No, no, no. I was the square kid. The kid that Walter said, you know, you ain't angry. You ain't mad about something. <laughs> right? The little uppity dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but the point is, Sydney Poitier came to that performance and tell us, Miss Baja, what does Sydney Poitier say about your performance that day? Oh, and I was so enamored. He said, you played one of the best mothers I've ever seen. And I was like, <laughs> I got so big, I couldn't even talk. I, I don't know if I remember if I said thank you or not, but I was just so blown away because I've seen that play many times, many times, many times with the dynamic Diane Sands. And I just thought she was so wonderful in that. And I said, oh God, I can't wait to play that. And then when we actually did it on stage, I was like, Oh, I got to put everything in it that I have. But I didn't know Sydney was in the audience. And then when he did, he stood up and did that. I was done. I was done. You were it done. It was amazing. It was an amazing production, amazing cast. But we were young and we had so much to learn. But the fact that someone so great would come and spend that type of you know time and pay it forward and, you know, breathe some yeah. life into a young actor. Right, Leslie? Yep. And, and I, you know, it's interesting because the first time I think I worked with Baja, we did Happy End, Day of Absence, Happy Ending. And that's when uh, Robert Hooks came up to us backstage. Uh, ah. But that was the first time working with Baja, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was written by Douglas Turner Ward and then my next door neighbor, Ozzie Davis. So uh, that was crazy, you know, to have playwrights of that type of magnitude. And, you know, Hal DeWitt directed those plays. But he was instrumental in all of our careers and all of our lives to put forward black playwrights that were doing that type of important message you know, messages in their work and then putting us on stages to teach us how to do what we did to bring out the best work in the best ways and taught us how to do incredible um, work going forward. Exactly. Wow. Well, you know, you, well, you know, it's interesting back then. Those plays had cultural threads that were all about, you know, us standing as men and women, you know, in an honorable position. And uh, I love that work back then. In fact, you know, we're investigating taking Day of Absence and those that those two one acts and possibly making a film out of them in today's current market because the, the, the messages were so strong. Exactly. And they still ring true today. So it's not, you know, it's nothing that it's going to be new. It's just that it's going to be seen in a different light. I, I love those plays. And uh, 
Remember when we did Dark of the Moon and you played Witch Boy? Yeah. <laughs> witch Boy. Kind of right? <laughs> witch Boy. And Vanessa, <laughs> Vanessa Paul was a, a witch. And uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you remember? I, I, and that's, I still tease Leslie to this day because I forget the name of the main character, but I remember Hal DeWitt looked at Leslie and said, that was the worst kiss on stage I've ever seen. Boy, go backstage and figure out how to kiss kiss your leading woman. <laughs> yeah, I still tease him to this day. Part of the growing. Oh my God, Dark of the Moon, that was so much fun. And it was such an all-star cast. We all got our beginnings around that time in this industry. Yeah, so if I recall, Baja, yeah, Dark of the Moon. We did a we did a black version of Dark of the Moon, which was unusual for the time. And I believe Leslie kind of did his version of Witch Boy, like James Brown. So it was a whole nother kind of version of <laughs> of Dark of the Moon, if you recall. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> I, I, yeah. That that was cool though. That was fun. It was a lot of fun until the director told Leslie he needed to go backstage and work on his kissing. Got it. Yeah. No. No. That, that was that growing pains of a young actor. You know what I mean? It was like it was my first time on stage. It was the first time having to kiss somebody on stage. And yeah, uh, how sort of like made me feel a little inadequate. But you know, <laughs> you know, it, it added to my my ascension into manhood. It was like a rice of pat wheel. <laughs> yeah. That that was deep. That was deep. That was a lot. We had a lot going on. All of us had but a you lot. Know, one thing on. about one thing, one of the great things though is you know when I think about back then, that set the stage for my life because you know we had to train, we had to learn, we had to memorize, we had to memorize blocking, right? And we weren't being paid to do that, so we were training and working together as a group and as a cohort. We sort of all like worked to make each other better, um, and that's sort of missing in today's world. You know, people are coming to sets and stuff now. You know, without that training, it makes our jobs a lot more difficult. No, absolutely. I could not agree more. And that's what I was about to talk to Baja about was she's on a set and she's the most experienced uh, thespian on her set, Leslie. And I was wondering, you know, in terms of the uh, culture on her her current set, um, you know, she's trained. And does she find a responsibility to be on that set and bring some of that uh, training to the set that she's currently on in Ruthless? I can only bring what I've learned. I can only use what I've learned as example. Uh, I'm not there to teach them. A lot of them would listen to you anyway. But I bring what I bring and I bring it wholeheartedly and I don't back down. Um, and it, it's really up to the director if he wants to guide me, then fine. But I found that on that set that the director usually lets you work through whatever it is it, that you need to work through as a character. And he seldom bothers me as, you know, an actor, but he tweaks it maybe a few times because I remember Hal saying, always be director proof. And that's what I try to bring when I come on the set. That's cool. That's cool. So, uh, Leslie, as a director, Leslie's uh, directing so much more today. And as a director, when you're directing um, actors, what does it mean to be director proof? You know, as an actor, we knew what it meant. But now as a director, if someone comes in and is director proof, what does that mean to you? How do you receive that? 
Oh, it's a huge difference. When you, you work with somebody that comes in, director proof that's read, that's done their homework, has their character. We've talked about a character analysis and all of that. Now we can be creative on set. We can throw ideas out, right? And get deeper into characters. When you work with someone who hasn't done that work, you now just really work like a, in a factory. You're just trying to get that role done, right? Get that, that scene done. But when you're working with actors, veterans that are prepared, it is so much better because now it's not about technique or, you know, learning lines or, you know, let's get because they flubbed the line. It's really about investigating the creative uh, arcs of that scene, working with the two characters or three characters or four characters and getting them to get deeper into it. So uh, preparation leads to better outcomes. And the more prepared an actor comes in, the more I can push and more creative I can be in terms of how I develop the scene. So it's it's, it's night and day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing um, you back on stage. And I, I look forward to seeing all of us back doing something working together. I'm creating some content for you to direct. Leslie, can't wait to get uh, Miss Baja on one of my projects. And thank you for coming and hanging out with us, Leslie. I'm going to keep it going with Baja when we come forward all in the sweet spot. All right. Well, if you're just joining me, you know this is living in the sweet spot. And uh, I have someone else who just called in. I'm so excited. You'll be happy to talk to her as well. Baja Lynn, uh, one of your other co-stars of that Dark of the Moon production is uh, Vanessa Paul. She is on the line. Vanessa Paul is a producer, writer of Sparkling City Entertainment. What's up, Vanessa Paul? I'm happy to have you on the line. Hello. I'm so happy to be able to talk to you guys today. Thanks for having me. I just want to say when I did Dark of the Moon, I I had not done very many theater uh, uh, stage plays before. I was nervous as all get out because I was working with uh, talented actresses like like Angelique and Baja. Oh, my God, Baja, you were just I learned so much from you just watching you. I'm telling you, I don't think I've ever said this to you before, but I learned so much. And that's where I knew I wanted to be on stage and do more because of what I saw you do. Oh, bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart. Thank you so much. I love it. I love it. Vanessa, we learned so much from Baja and, you know, Leslie, Leslie Small was just on the line with us as well. He's still on line with us. And we learned so much from watching her, but it was as much on stage fun as it was backstage fun always, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. Y'all not going to talk about that, are you? (laughs) So much fun. Such a sisterhood. Um, I can't even remember some of the ladies from the, the other ladies from the cast, but Baja, you just stood out. You just stood. I'm telling you, you were the star. You carried it out. And I just I, I just can't get over. I can't say enough. No, absolutely. Like, um, how much we learned from you. Her career. Oh, great. Her career continues to flourish. You know, right now she's she's a regular on Tyler Perry's uh, Ruthless on BET Plus. But she has her her list of credits just goes on and on and on. And she has never uh, been anything but a superstar. When I look back, uh, Halda went and I think about all that we did uh, up under the beginnings of Halda went. I remember, you know, Vanessa, you can attest to this. We were young, but the one thing about his workshops back in the day, we were a motley crew, okay? We all came in, trauma trauma from somewhere. We all had trauma. We all, you know, everybody, if you live long enough, you go through some trauma, but 
we came in such a motley crew. We were just like a dysfunctional family up in his workshops, okay? Yeah. And, and, yeah. He, and he was the uh, unlikely father. And he, <laughs> That's he, right. That's he, right. He pretty much loved on us, raised us, helped us find a voice, um, and really nurtured us to a healthier place, you know, so that we could yeah. have a voice. And you can tell that we were all ready and wanting and open and ready to, to take in everything because we showed up. Exactly. Everybody showed up every time. It was time every to show time. up. We were every there, ready. And I'm really ready to learn. I mean, back in the day, isn't that great? Those, those feelings of, of uh, eagerness and and wanting to take in anything and everything that the masters had to teach us. Well, that's, oh, yes. that's why I asked Baja to go come here and really talk about, speaking of masters, some of those people that were there for us, right? We learned under, over, under so many people like Bea Richards and Robert Hooks and, Kevin, and, and, and Charles Durning and, you know, Oz Scott was hanging around and Denzel Washington came through those workshops and Forrest Whitaker and, I mean, the list goes on. Bernie Casey was always there. Billy D was always in and out. Ron O'Neill, we had the best teachers and we worked hard y'all it wasn't just it wasn't about luck it wasn't about showing up and hoping to get a break we worked for those breaks we worked hard we studied hard and you know you're producer uh vanessa i know that's what you do now and you know how hard it is to find someone that can carry a show and stay and we're going to talk about that when we come forward we have a lot more to talk about talking about the good times but we're talking about what it takes to make it in this business and why it's important to create art that creates an impact all of this right here in the sweet spot when we come forward if you're just joining me, we have Baja Lynn and we're talking about sort of this journey through her life and mine and how and we've had some of her friends come through that have worked with her and been great, graced the stages with her through the past. And Baja, we're the sum of our parts and um, you've had an amazing career on both stage, television and film. But but, you know, really all that we've gone through has also um, sort of informed who we are. And how you have pulled through your own life experiences. And that's what you pull from to be such a great actor. Uh, I know that you had lost, you lost your husband. And how has some of the loss and some of what you've gone through, and maybe even disappointments, informed who you have become as an actor? How's that informed you? Um, it's made me a lot stronger because I depended on my husband for a lot because getting into this business, you have to have support. And it was hard at first for him to accept it, but eventually he did. And I figured, okay, now that he's accepted what I'm doing and I'm not gonna stop doing what I'm doing, he can take care of the things that that I really don't want to be bothered with right now because I'm focusing on my acting, I'm doing this. But when he passed away, it's like my whole world passed with him. I had my children, but it's not the same because now I'm living with, you know, by myself for the last 10 years that he's been gone. But it has propelled me into deeper and richer thought about uh, staying in this business because at uh, one time I did get out of the business because I was disillusioned, mm. but I quickly got over that. I quickly got over that because there was nothing for me to do. I was lost. Uh, I had no friends, you know, um, and because I always uh, stayed by myself. If I wasn't acting or going to the movies or going to a play, it was usually by myself. And and once I started delving into 
do you really want to be in this business? I start preparing myself for bigger and better things. Then I, then I said, you have to move up a level. You can't stay at the same level. Stage plays are wonderful, but you've already developed what you need to develop. Now you need to go out and let the world see what you've done. So it has propelled me. I miss him terribly, but I'm also moving forward. And, uh, and it's helped me, especially in this latest uh, venue uh, of working with uh, Mr. Perry, because he does not work like Hollywood. Mm-hmm. The man is a beast. I'm telling you, he works 24-7. And, is, and, and as an actor myself, I want to be uh, on his level. I want to make sure that he's proud of my work. You know, and so I work extra hard to stay where I am when I'm on set. I just go through what I've learned as an actor and I bring it to him. And more than not, he he likes what I do. So okay. it makes me feel good that I'm I'm on the right track. I'm on the right trail. But as far as, uh, you know, my husband being gone, it, it, it's 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 impacted me tremendously. But I've also learned how to work around it. Absolutely. You know? And I'm sure that um you know, like you said, it prepared you for this time. You are prepared for this time in your life. And I'm happy to exactly. see you're leading this uh, this charge right now. When do you know you're in the sweet spot? I have a feeling I know. <laughs> when do I know that I'm in the sweet spot? I guess I would say I'm there now. <laughs> I have a feeling you are when all things are working I, together, right? <laughs> for the, by the grace of God, now what you said that, I am in my sweet spot. I have come to hell in high water. So <laughs> right now, you know, it's not like I'm exactly where I want to be, but I'm in a better place of where I want to be. Absolutely. And yet, this is my sweet spot. This is my time. This is my now. Absolutely. And I'm going to ride it until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Absolutely. This is my sweet This is it right here. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. How does someone follow you, Baja? Well, they can find me on Baja Lynn is me on Instagram and Baja Lynn on Facebook and TikTok. Okay. How do you spell Baja Lynn? B-A-A-D-J-A-L-Y-N-E. All right, Bajalyn, thank you so much. I just am so excited to reconnect with you. I'm going to look out for you everywhere I go. Follow me at Angelique in the Sweet Spot. Uh, Check me out on Spotify. Best of, you can hear it on Living in the Sweet Spot with Angelique Francis. Everyday Miracles right here in the Sweet Spot.